it was as we've looked back in that season, it was survival mode to get back to normal. I was trying to find normal and doing anything I could, even pretending that I wasn't paralyzed, that I'm, I can stand. That was a big thing. And that was a, it was a big celebratory day that I could stand and that I could take a few steps. But I took that and I, I wanted that to turn into, I'm good. I'm ready to come back and lead worship on platform and I'm ready to come back and work in the office 40 to 50 hours a week. And uh, in hindsight, I was not ready. Welcome to the Art Espousing Podcast. Thank you for taking time to listen today. We're excited about the content we want to share with you. We believe it's going to be helpful to your marriage practice. Yeah, if you're newer or newer to the show, we want you to know that the reason we do this podcast is because we really believe that every marriage can move from mundane to masterpiece level. But we know personally that a work of art doesn't just appear. It requires intentionality and practice to be crafted and shaped. So our goal with every episode is to give you tools to practice that will help your relationship not just survive, but truly thrive. We just finished up a fantastic week in both Atlanta, Georgia, and then Columbus, Ohio. O-H-I-O. Uh-huh. We had a great opportunity to be at Chick-fil-A's Windshape Retreat Center. So beautiful for a marriage collective. We've got to reconnect with some friends who have been guests here on the show, like Howard and Danielle Taylor, Shanti Feldhahn, and Travis and Adele Graham. And we got to meet some new friends we hope to introduce to you in the future. I love people in the married space. Yeah, it was awesome. It was a great time. And we do look forward to introducing you to some of those friends. But today we have Jeremy and Courtney Roseberry on the show with us, and you're really going to be inspired by their story. But before we go there, we always want to take a moment to talk about the marriage reboot. Seriously, a game changer for married couples. This is a two-day intensive with Lisa and I, where we focus on defining the purpose and vision for your marriage. Yeah, the reboot process is designed to bring clarity and breakthroughs to every aspect of your marriage. Together, we will craft plans for multiple domains of your life and marriage, creating a solid framework that will help you manage and continually renew your relationship in the future. So you and your spouse get our undivided attention as your dedicated marriage coaches for two full days, and then we follow it up with coaching on the back end. We'll guide you through a journey, helping you identify where you've been, define where you are now, and discover where you truly want to be together. The experience is designed for marriages in all stages, but we know that the marriage reboot will make a huge difference in your marriage. You can find out more at artespousing.com backslash marriage coaching. You can also message us on Instagram, where we'll send you a link to schedule a 30-minute call with James and I to hear more about the reboot. Now, let's jump into our conversation with Jeremy and Courtney Roseberry. Courtney and Jeremy, it is so great to have you on the podcast with us. Thanks for spending some time with us today. Yeah, so good to be here. Thanks for having us. Yeah. Love you guys. We've known each other, I guess, for about a year, maybe a little bit over a year. And I remember the first time, Jeremy, that you and I were having coffee together at a Starbucks and you began to unpack your story with me. I knew then that we needed to get the two of you on mm-hmm. the podcast mm-hmm. to share your journey because it's going to be so encouraging and helpful for couples who are listening to the podcast today. So thank you for being with us. I'd love for the start by our audience getting to know you a little bit. So take us back to the beginning trip down memory lane. Tell us your marriage story and kind of a little bit about yourselves. Yeah. Courtney and I met in 2008. At the time, uh, I was living in Dallas and I was 25 years old and Court was 19. Mm -hmm. At that time, I had been in ministry for seven years, single. Uh, My parents were always asking, uh, is there a girl who are you (laughs) dating? And I had just chosen not to date anybody. And then as as it would turn out, Courtney and I, we, we met at a beach wedding 
a wedding that I wasn't necessarily invited to go to in Destin, Florida. And Court was the maid of honor. Um, and uh, we met on the boardwalk right by the beach. And a friend of mine introduced Courtney to me. And all we got was our first name with each other. When she walked away, I said, who is that? Who's that girl? And my friend told me, that's Courtney. She dates God. She's never held hands with the guy. <laughs> um, and all I thought in my head was, I have to get to know this girl. And the only thing I had after the wedding uh, was, it's Courtney with a K, and she's on MySpace. Mm-hmm. My remember MySpace. My wow. yeah. yeah. Wow. Courtney, do you have anything to add to this? Is this accurate? It's accurate. I did not remember him at all. <laughs> um, Sorry. Yeah. Hear me. Uh, but he found me on MySpace, and we we dated on MySpace for a month. And uh, after that... I asked question after question to yeah. get to know her. Yep. And we had our first date a month after that, and we were verbally engaged on our second date. So met to married in, was it five months? Yep. Yeah. Wow. Wait a minute. Yep. Your second date, you verbally committed to marry each other? Yeah. So if we rewind back to MySpace, she sent me her phone number, uh, and I finally called her one night late at night. I think it was nine or 10 o'clock. I was finishing something at church. She answered, and uh, we stayed on the phone till 7.30 a.m. Wow. the next morning. Mm. That was our yeah. first phone conversation together, which turned into me asking her on a date. So I drove, I, I have to rewind a little bit, whenever I went on MySpace, I uh, looked her up and she was living in my hometown. And so I noticed like, um, cause I'm living in Dallas, Texas at the time, but I'm originally from South Louisiana. And I noticed on MySpace, she's from the same, same hometown. It's called Rain, Louisiana. Rain, wow. rain is not known for much. It has a piggly wiggly and <laughs> they, the town got really excited whenever they got a Taco Bell. So for her to be from Rain, Louisiana, and I'm finding her on MySpace, uh, was a big deal. So when we uh, when we had our first date, uh, our first date was 17 hours. Her mom actually said, don't come home until you know if you want to marry this guy. Wow. And she, she had never really um, dated uh, in high school. And so, which was just, uh, for me, just this treasure that I was, mm-hmm. that's why I was pursuing her the way I did. My first MySpace message was, hey, my name is Jeremy. Don't worry, I'm not a creeper, <laughs> which was kind of <laughs> creepy to say. Um, we met at the beach wedding. You're the most beautiful girl I've ever met. Mm. I'd love to get to know you more if you'd be interested in that. And and then we we actually made a book of all of our MySpace messages oh, stop. in our first 16 days of getting to know each other. That is incredible. It's, it's kind of funny that you first met at the beach wedding because you guys both are such beach people. We are. We, we are. We love the beach. I have a clarifying question, though. This is I'm, I know all listeners are thinking the same thing I am is. So did you actually grow up in the same town and didn't know each other? That's right. Yeah. <gasps> yeah. yeah. Actually, um. The private schools that we went to were like rival private schools and really small private schools. Wow. Um, but there's an age gap between us. Mm-hmm. So oh, Jeremy yeah, played right. his senior year. He played uh, sports against my older brother. And my mom has video footage of that. But I'm like a that seventh so grader fun. at that, the time. That was our second date whenever I we met figured her all of, family. Yeah, we figured all of it and out. And her mom asked me what high school I went to. And then she said, oh, I think I have video of my son playing basketball. And sure enough, she not only had video of him playing basketball, but Courtney was in the stands 11 or 10 years old. And I was on the basketball court playing her brother, 17, wow. 16 years old. Crazy. Very small town. Small town. Okay, another yeah. clarifying question. I'm wanting to know, because you were dating God right? when you met yeah. him. <laughs> that's, yeah. So, And then you actually came to this decision pretty quickly. I mean, that's a pretty fast you know, mm-hmm. turn. 
So did you, how did God let you How'd know? How did you break up with God? I, know, right? I was going no, to say that, but then I'm like, so how did the turn happen that you're like, this is it? Because obviously if yeah. you're that committed to the Lord and know it, like that's a decision that you're making. Yeah. Really. So I'd love to know how you came there. Yeah. So um, not to go all the way back to the beginning or anything, but as a really small child, I remember my mom giving me like the best advice ever. And she said, hey, every night when you say your prayers, pray for your future husband. Mm-hmm. And that stuck with me my mm-hmm. entire life. Mm-hmm. So I always prayed for my future husband, you know, all the time. So when I met Jeremy, it was like we had this connection, real spiritual. It was just, I can't even put it into words mm-hmm. though. But on our first date, it's the first time and only time in my whole life I heard God's audible voice. And he said, this is him. You will marry Jeremy. And that was on our first date. So I had no question. I had no well, what ifs. It was like, no, I heard God. I heard God like I've never heard mm-hmm. God you know, speak anything else before. Sitting on top of the library. Yeah. That we weren't supposed to be on. Our <laughs> yeah. first date. Yeah. Kind of go places you're not supposed to be. Yeah, we're supposed to get the wedding. No. Now you're on top of the library. We did. We, we trusted yeah. Yeah. yeah, our first date, we were, we were driving past a, a library that was under construction. Courtney had said, uh, I want to work there. And so I just pulled um, the car into the construction parking lot. It had caution signs, and I got her to get out of the car. And walk past all the uh, caution signs. Climbed a 20-foot ladder. Climbed a 20-foot ladder on top of the roof of the building. And yeah, we spent the evening getting to know each other. Just talking. Talking life. So um, when I think about God giving you such a clear directive, Mm -hmm. this is who you're going to marry, I'm thinking about your story. And I'm thinking that really matters because I'd love for you guys to go into a part of your your marriage story as you enter into marriage and why that that statement's really going to shine through, I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah, that statement shined through in our on our second date where we were verbally engaged because for both Courtney and I, God had spoken to both of us very mm-hmm. clearly about mm-hmm. each other. He'd spoken to me just two weeks prior to us meeting, uh, through someone who came up at the end of a worship set and pulled me to the back of the church and said, I have a word from God for you. And I, I honestly was thinking, Oh no, not another word from God. <laughs> um, and she looked at me and she said, You've been single for seven years and God wants to let you know he's sending your your bride to you very soon. And she's going to understand the same intimacy that you've had with me. She'll understand the same. And Mm -hmm. so whenever the first thing that was told to me about Courtney was, oh, that's Courtney. She dates God. (laughs) And uh, that's what caused me to want to pursue her. And for Court, she had also had something very similar just six months prior to Mm -hmm. meeting me. Um, And that's why God's speaking that to her heart. Um, And God's voice, yes, uh, that is a thread through our story. Mm For sure. So now today we are celebrating 15 years married uh, coming up very soon. We have two kiddos, uh, one who's 10 and another who's 11. Um, We have owned four houses. Um, We have moved 12 times in five states, Louisiana, Texas, Alabama, Indiana, now Florida, what we like to call paradise. This is home. This is where we love to live. And our story, being married, it, it does take a turn. 2017, we were living in Alabama at the time. And uh, I had kind of grown up, I had had back issues and had um, what doctors would say, spinal stenosis with a little bit of nerve pressure and pain. However, before 2017, Courtney and I, we, we had only known God's favor, his voice leading us. We had not really either of us experienced any significant personal trauma. Very fortunate to grow up in protected, safe families. families. Very vanilla. 
Yeah, we we'd only experience if we asked God for it, He gave it. Mm. And so uh, sometimes I've I've tried helping others, saying before that I had only known favor without having to fight for it. And then 2017, I'm on staff at a at a church in Alabama, and I had been praying to be healed from back pain that I'd had since I was a teenager. And surgery was recommended whenever I was in my early 20s, and at the time I was 33. Medicine had progressed quite a bit, and so the availability of surgeries uh, were were just so many more that wouldn't require such a long recovery. So Courtney and I interviewed a few doctors, and then we made a decision that I would have a very simple microdisectomy, four-hour outpatient surgery. I would be leading worship in uh, seven days, and as as we were preparing for this, uh, Courtney reminded me I was planning on actually going on a missions trip just a few weeks later post-surgery. And all of that to say, the day that I was in pre-operation, I remember looking at Courtney, and I'm an Enneagram 7, mm-hmm. so I defer nervous energy with mm-hmm. jokes. And <laughs> I looked at her, and I said, well, what's the worst that could happen? I couldn't. Like, I'm not going to be paralyzed. So, And uh, that, that is one of the very few things of, of uh, the next few months that I actually do remember. Uh, because just a few hours later, waking up from anesthesia, I was in fact paralyzed waist down. I remember waking up and grabbing Courtney's hand and saying, hey, I, I can't feel. I can't feel my legs. I can't feel saddle areas. Something's not right. Mm-hmm. The doctors met with us and they let us know that the condition was a condition called caudiaquana, um, a condition that you, that. yeah. Um, <laughs> Sounds made up. It does, it does. <laughs> And we didn't know what that was. And they even expressed in that moment, we found out later, not many doctors know much about it. Mm-hmm. The, it was like, uh, we say, that winning the lottery in reverse, the chances of it. It's a neurological condition that basically crimps all your nerves at the base of your spine. And it can cause various neurological issues, of which many affect your lower waist areas, full paralysis or partial most of the doctors were letting us know in that moment some people live their whole lives with the condition and it never clears and then others over several years it alleviates so there was a lot of question marks in that moment um, mm-hmm. that all of those conversations and even the next four months uh, a lot of it i don't remember courtney courtney and other friends have had to fill me in on conversations that were had full conversations well, that i had it did. Yeah. And at the time, the kids were little. They were only four and five years old. So, yeah, it was crazy because he was supposed to be walking. It's outpatient surgery. Like we hadn't planned for anything to ever gone wrong. And then after this surgery, the doctor suggested a second surgery, which I was not in favor for. Mm. Like, let's no more doctors. Like, we believe this will just the doctors think it'll clear on its own. In time, we don't know what the time frame is, but it, it should get better. He opted for the second surgery. She begged me not to. I begged him not to. Mm-hmm. Um, so he had the second surgery, and he ended up getting a spinal infection from the second surgery, which led to needing a third surgery to clean out the infection, which led to PICC line. PICC line got infected. He was doing in-home uh, nursing care with IVs, and that lasted a, a good bit of time months, months. um yeah um months yeah 22 weeks all three surgeries were within three weeks of each other the month of may was nothing but surgeries and doctors and hospitals and i was the patient that all of the nurses said we don't want to see you back here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah it was it was months the few things that i do remember i remember 
laying on our couch. And I had asked Courtney, what what do you remember? She said, I remember you crying a lot. I remember seeing emotion that I, I had never really dealt with before, like extreme depression, extreme uncertain of why God had allowed it to mm-hmm. happen. And I remember laying on our couch in our living room in Alabama, and I would lay there, I'd have a pick line in my arm, I'd have a wheelchair next to me. We'd have a medicine bag that's dripping antibiotics in me mm-hmm. for, I think it was 12 weeks while the nurses would come in during the day at the house. And I remember looking at, and Courtney knows this, I remember looking at this clock that we had in the, in the living room while asking God what's happening, while questioning can I play with Grant and Amelia again? Can I pick them up? What does it mean to be a husband to Courtney in this mm-hmm. condition? Hearing the voices of the doctor saying, knowing the different cases of how long there are some who live their whole lives fully paralyzed and then some that it took so many years. I try and ask God, like, what am I still useful in worship ministry and as a pastor? And I remember in that season laying and just looking at that clock and it didn't have a seconds hand. Mm-hmm. So I'd watch the minute hand move very slowly. And then I'd fall asleep on the couch from medicine and pain meds they'd given me. And then I would wake back up and I was still in the same condition day in, day out. Mm. That Those are things that I remember during that season. Very, the lowest, um, the lowest, most painful time of my life. And even since one of the lows for myself uh, in that season was, I remember uh, being in the wheelchair I remember I couldn't find Courtney because Courtney was my everything. And by that, I mean everything. She was <laughs> she was my nurse. She was the person who prepared all the food. And she was the person who got pill bottles and medicine and made sure everything was sterile and clean. I remember I couldn't find her in the house. And so I, I got myself into the wheelchair. A very low moment. I don't remember what week or month it was. But Courtney needed a place that she could cry without me seeing her cry. Mm-hmm. And I remember I had to wheel myself through the house and wheel myself into our master bedroom, through our bathroom, and then into our walk-in closet. And Courtney kind of found this little spot that she would just go and just cry in the closet. I remember I couldn't get out of the wheelchair to comfort her, to put my arms around her. I remember in that moment, not really even knowing what to tell her. I'm usually the voice of optimism. I'm usually the one who's all faith and all optimism and all God's going to do it. And just really not knowing, seeing her, seeing that her world had been completely um, the foundation of stability had just been completely removed. Mm. Very low moment in our mm-hmm. story. But even through all of that, I can remember that even from the very beginning, there was a lot of not knowing, a lot of fear wanted to take hold of us. But I remember beyond like a shadow of a doubt, just knowing this peace, this overwhelming peace that just really made no sense to anybody else around us. Mm. Everybody else around us probably thought that we were, um, they probably thought that we were being very ignorant in just trying to stay so faith-filled and trying to really say, no, God's got this. We were believing for a miracle. Being ignorant um, of facts. And people were like, I think y'all are just being ignorant of the facts. And facts are, Court, you're not even 30 yet. Jeremy's still very young. He's only 35. You're pretty young to be disabled and you need to think of your future. And I just remember having this overwhelming peace that no, like God's got this and it doesn't make sense to the natural. It doesn't even have to make sense to your family and friends. Mm. But when God speaks to your heart, you just, you just know. And that's really where where I was most of the time. Now, sure, there was overwhelming times mm-hmm. where I'm like, all right, like life is heavy right now. I'm taking care of the kids, wondering, you know, what's our marriage going to look like? At the time, what were we, seven years married? Still very, very mm-hmm. young in marriage. Yeah, we found in that season, as we've looked back, 
We found the foundation that you get to walk on in your faith in God. Um, and if your faith doesn't have foundation, it has nothing to stand on. And we had to find in that season of walking through a very dark valley that, oh, this is the foundation mm. that our faith can stand on. And I remember us both having conversations about, we don't know if today's going to change. We don't know if tomorrow's going to change, but we're going to trust that God's going to heal. I do remember Court saying that. I know God's going to heal you, which for her takes a lot of faith. Mm. Yeah, for- I'm, I'm an Enneagram 6, <laughs> so I have a plan for every kind of disaster that you can mm-hmm. you can even just imagine. So having this unwavering uh, peace does not come natural to me. So that's how I know it was supernatural. Mm. It was God. I, I know that that came from having just a lifestyle, having the Word of God in mm-hmm. you. It's not like if you're going to walk through something hard. Mm. It really is a win it's going to happen. And uh, having the word of God in your heart is really why you need to have it there. It's like Mm -hmm. for when those hard times come. And that's what we were able to really just stand on. So where did it take a turn then? So we've got to this low place and what transpired that turned physically and upward and spiritually and upward trajectory? It didn't for a moment in Mm -hmm. answering you very honestly. It did not. The the practicalities of life stayed very low and Mm -hmm. we chose to choose joy. And I remember me, I even bought a t-shirt that I wanted people, if they saw me in the wheelchair, I wanted them to see choose joy because it's a choice Mm -hmm. and it's not happiness, but it's just joy Mm -hmm. because happiness felt far ways off. Mm -hmm. Uh, Joy though was different. And Mm -hmm. uh, so we started game nights at our house on Tuesday nights. We would invite a few of the college kids to come and hang out and just play games. And I would just sit there. I don't remember them. Mm -hmm. honestly, but I know we did that. We would still have couples coming over and they would bring dinner and they would hang out at the house. Again, I don't remember it. I've had full conversations with people that they've let me know. And a few of them have blackmail video of me saying certain things. (laughs) Uh, And uh, so many things didn't change in the natural, Mm -hmm. Um, but we, we made a choice together. Um, and that, that I do know, um, changed a lot. I remember Courtney came home and she bought some, uh, henna tattoos that had joy and faith and <laughs> happiness. And that became just something I was doing with the kids mm-hmm. at their age just to try. And she was amazing at trying to just include me and trying to help like be mm-hmm. the buoy for mm-hmm. my, my, um, yeah, my personality. I've, in our relationship, I've never had to be the cheerleader. Mm-hmm. Like that's always been Jeremy. You know, mm-hmm. he's the optimistic, happy, like fun, fun, fun one. So for that season, I had to put that on. It was very draining. (laughs) But, you know, I think from the very beginning, um, we've always been a team. And you have to know. Yeah. And in answering your question, Lisa, it got better slowly over time. It wasn't fast. The church that we were part of went through two seasons of 21 days of prayer. And I remember watching the whole church pray. And they would pray for us specifically. Mm -hmm. And over time... My body, at least the paralysis, started to heal. And the way I started walking initially was actually with still paralysis taking place. And that was through physicians who let me know you can retrain your brain to actually walk without being able to feel your legs. And they weren't wrong because that's actually what I started doing was standing behind the wheelchair. So in answering your question, some of it just came small, incremental Mm with both Courtney and I never stopping communication with each other mm-hmm. you know, and checking in with each other. Some of those check-ins were very hard. Mm-hmm. Some, a lot of those check-ins were very raw about just day-to-day life. We, we did have quite a few people that offered to come and live in and help Court, and Courtney took them up on that help yeah. mm-hmm. because I can be a little needy whenever I'm in a wheelchair. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It sounds like y'all stayed connected in communication, obviously raw communication, honest communication, 
But then you're, are you even knowing that he's not actually registering and remembering anything? So, right, right. That's actually really good because he's, he was really good at just like he's got a big personality. Mm-hmm. And I think he was able to convince everybody else that he was doing really well because mm-hmm. he was on a lot of medication. The doctors honestly were going to, keep him fully medicated for however long just because of the severity of this incident that they couldn't figure out really so you wouldn't have known it he was just highly functional never really missed a beat just wanting people to come over and hang out and wanting to stay active and going like i'd have to take him out and he couldn't drive so i was driving him just to <laughs> keep you we went to the ninja warrior gym we went ice skating well he i did, did not but like yeah <laughs> you, you he's made, all about activities me. and things of that sort so yeah. like we tried because he was living like staying at home and not going to work so he was getting really restless I was able to kind of catch on that things weren't really with you going so smoothly because for a while, like he's the leader of the house, right? Like I just, I'm there, I support a hundred percent, but he does a lot of the leading. And then when I figure it out, I'm like, wow, he's not, his clarity is not so great there. Mm -hmm. The medication's really blocking a lot of what's going on. I'm lucky that he is a talker. He's a verbal processor. Mm -hmm. So that is a big, big part of just how we stayed connected Mm. is that he didn't close off of what was going on in his head. You really shared all the things. Yeah, Yeah. I love it. So how long before you finally got full function back, you weren't suffering paralysis? How long was that whole season? You didn't go back to work until November. So yeah, in going back to work, I fought to go back to work. As it was told to me in a later season, I was not myself and how diligent I was to make sure that I could go back to work. I was not ready to go back to work. Okay, so May to November. May to November. Um, But you would have thought from the outside that he was completely fine by July. You would have thought if you weren't living in our house and seeing the condition of the bathroom alone, the wheelchairs, the walkers, the IVs, the everything else, you would have thought, oh. Like he's a hundred percent unless you were in the house. And for me, it was, as we've looked back in that season, it was survival mode to get back to normal. I was trying to find normal and doing anything I could, even pretending that I wasn't paralyzed, that I'm, I can stand. That was a big thing. And that was a, that was a big celebratory day that I could stand and that I could take a few steps. But I took that and I, I wanted that to turn into, I'm good. I'm ready to come back and lead worship on platform. And I'm ready to come back and work in the office 40 to 50 hours a week. And uh, in hindsight, I was not ready. I was pushing from my oversight and my friends, even at the time, they said, we were talking to someone who was not who we've known you to be. We were talking to someone who was very driven and very stubborn. And I've had to ask for forgiveness from those Mm. seasons. Wow. Mm. Yeah. I came back too soon. I was still having to use medical assistance to use the restroom all the time. But because I was back, I didn't want anybody to know that. Only Courtney knew that. Mm. I was still using medicinal assistance to function in any capacity. Mm-hmm. And I was I was often trying to drive into the office and just threw my guts up in the toilet and then trying to come into a meeting at a church where everybody's looking wow. looking all mm-hmm. put together and we're about to talk through the service flow. And I was throwing up from pain meds mm. um, and the way that my body was responding to them and how I was taking them. So even even in the middle of saying, God, you're healing me, honestly, I think it's just my own 
insecurities, my own not fully trusting God that he was going to take care Mm -hmm. of me and my family, my own drivenness from that trauma, especially in seasons of looking back and saying I was fully responsible for even the next seasons that followed Mm -hmm. in our marriage and how it affected us. But today, obviously, I mean, I'm healed and God, God slowly brought healing about through my physical body and in our marriage. And we're so much better for it today, mm-hmm. um, for that season. It's actually something we look back on and we say, had God not allowed that, we would not be where we're at today. We would not be as healthy as we are today. Had God not allowed that test. And that's what we refer to it often as is, are you okay if God says, I just allowed that to happen yeah. to test your heart? Mm-hmm to test your values, to test your character, to test your marriage. Are you okay? And there were many seasons that Courtney and I were like, we are not okay with that being the answer <laughs> that you allowed that to happen. <laughs> we're not. Today, almost seven years later, we're we're getting closer and closer to saying, thank you, God. Mm-hmm. Thank you that you allowed that test. Thank you for what that test produced in us. Yeah. Mm-hmm. When we talk about intimacy or connectedness, people talk about it in different ways, but we talk about there is a spiritual connectedness, emotional connectedness, recreational, which I feel like you guys, even your activity, your spirit of act, doing activities that you're trying to actually keep those going. And then mm-hmm. the spiritual intimacy that you have, the makings of forging a very deep, intimate, connected life. Just even in our own personal marriage story, my background and upbringing wasn't protected. So I'm entering into marriage with a lot of emotional baggage that we have to actually work through, which actually is what caused us to have a lot of conversation Mm -hmm. and grow in communication and James long suffering and patient and all that, that it's just a part of our story. Mm-hmm. And it's a part of, I believe, why we have a deep, intimate connection, again, in all those areas. God used all of that, even all the, we talk about physical touches, non-sexual touch, but Courtney, you've probably touched him a lot, getting him moving, <laughs> but like there's a lot of close proximity yeah. that you just go, it's really cool yeah. in light of how we view intimacy and connectedness, that God was actually keeping those together in this, this rawness of communication of where you are, and even saying, hey, this may be God's story for us and we don't agree with this right now. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And yeah. that's that's real. That's real life. It sounds like you guys coming out of this actually came out more intimately connected than you went went into it. Do you agree? And, and I'm guessing without being too personal, there probably wasn't much sexual intimacy when you're paralyzed from the waist down. So, no, you know, that's why I think sometimes people get all messed up when we talk about intimacy because it's all about sex. But actually, you guys have come out more intimate Mm-hmm. in your marriage yeah. as a result of this season, right? Mm-hmm. Right. That's beautiful. It's yeah. awesome. I've had Courtney look at me several times now since in in a fight, honestly, and she'll look at me and say, you're my person. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Which means we're going to make it through this conversation. <laughs> I love that. Because we've made it through much worse before. Oh, that. stars in heaven, you guys have. Yeah. I'd, I'd be interested as you think back through that season and if you were to project into maybe people who are listening today, what are some things that you've taken from that season that would help you through another crisis or that would help somebody who's maybe going through a crisis right now to, to walk into that? So it really helped us, and I, I think it really can help pretty much anyone else out there going through something is James 1, 2 through 4. And I like the way the message says it. And it says, consider it a sheer gift, friends, when tests and challenges come at you from all sides. Mm -hmm. You know that under pressure, 
your faith life is forced into the open and shows its true colors. Mm -hmm. So don't try to get out of anything prematurely. Mm -hmm. Let it do its work so that you become mature and well-developed, not deficient in anything. I love that. And (laughs) the part that really stuck out to me was don't try to get out of it prematurely. Because, I mean, like when you're going through a trial, like that's the, I'm like, when, when is this going to be over? Yeah. Mm-hmm. What's life going to look like after it? But if you get out of it prematurely, the Bible says you won't be mature or well-developed. Mm-hmm. And I mean, that's what we want. We want to be mature and well-developed. Yeah. Our advice that we would give to another couple would be conversation. Mm-hmm. It's the, it's the altimeter of, of your, of your relationship, mm-hmm. the quality of that conversation. Like it's okay if that conversation is, working through not seeing answers. It's okay if it's uh, a depressed day. Yeah, having quality conversation. One thing that Courtney and I did twice also through that conversation was we had, we had quite a few times we weren't getting along. Mm-hmm. Uh, the stress was too much either on me or on her. And I remember we, we held our own marriage conference at our house <laughs> because we couldn't go anywhere. Yeah. And I remember I initiated that and I told her, I said, Hey, we can't go anywhere and we're not talking very well. So we are going to, and we found a, a marriage conference online that they had it on YouTube. And I just said, Hey, if you're okay with it at night, we're just going to watch the first session and then we're going to pray and then we're going to go to bed. And Mm -hmm. we did that. We actually did all six of that. And I'm not going to say that that alone changed everything, but that definitely was something we look back on. And we've told other couples who are going through impossibility situations, whether medical or just in their relationship, and saying sometimes you you can't wait for the next marriage conference. You actually kind of need to bring it to you. Mm. And that's the that's the beauty of the technology age we live in. They're they're online. Yeah, there's and so you, many resources. So many. Mm. Yeah, yeah. And those resources for us brought back quality words into our marriage. Mm. Brought back quality thoughts and helped us regain some language of keeping us back on track. And I know another scripture that we've lived on is three stranded cord is not easily broken. Yeah. But what I love to say, and I, I've got to see in myself, I'm easily broken. Mm. And I don't want to speak for you. Courtney's easily broken, Mm -hmm. but Jesus at the center, he's not broken. And that, I think God allowed that for Courtney and I to, to, to realize that, that, oh, there's a three stranded cord. If it's just two, we had a broke a long time ago. Mm -hmm. If, if that's all we had to rely on was my strength and my optimism and my ability to make things happen. Well, that I think God brought my humanity out Mm -hmm. in that. And if all we had to rely on is Courtney's incredible assessment of uh, threats that could come (laughs) and stability and foundation always being there. Well, we could find that too is broken without Jesus being at the center. And so for any couple who's, who's listening, know, know that you're already broken, know that you're already not enough. Give yourself permission to be that. Give yourself permission to be human. Give yourself to be permission to be what God created you. He created you from dust and dirt. And he put you together and molded you together, but he also breathed his spirit inside mm-hmm. of you. And that's that third strand that he put mm-hmm. inside. That's not easily broken. And allow outside voices to speak into that part of mm-hmm. your marriage, speak into that center thread of your marriage. 
because sometimes you're going to go through seasons that you're going to be broken on both sides. The other two halves are going to be broken. That's awesome. Well, thank you guys for being on the show today. So much appreciate you guys and look forward to continue watching your marriage journey. Thank you guys. Thank you, Jeremy and Courtney, for being on the show with us. We love that we get to watch your marriage masterpiece up close and personal from now on. I am completely inspired by their love for each other and just their resiliency through all of that. We would love to hear your thoughts and answer any questions you have about what we've shared today. You can email us at hello at artespousing.com or direct message us on Instagram at artespousing. Yeah, thanks again for listening. If you found this episode helpful, please let your friends and family know about by sharing it with them. You can also help other people find the podcast by taking a moment, rating the podcast and leaving us a short review. We hope you will join us for our next episode. Have a great week and we will see you next time on the Art Espousing Podcast. Until then, bye-bye.